Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 15 through 17 and 21 and 22. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John was, would, might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the shaft of unquenchable fire. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was, was open and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, we gather this morning to hear your word read and proclaimed. And as we do so, O Lord, we ask that you would fill our spirits up, fill our hearts that they overflow. Transform us, O Lord, so that we would leave this place not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. So if we all agree that the world seems to be a noisier and noisier place, everywhere we turn, everything seems to be louder. Go out to a restaurant and not only are there not thousand TVs in so many of them these days, but the volume is up. At work, there's all kinds of machines going off and bells and whistles and alerts from our computers or our phones or our tablets. We sit in traffic, there are horns that are honking and people just seem to be dead set on making noise. It's a wonder that we get anything done, isn't it, with just all the noise and distraction around us. It's said that years ago that when Mark Twain was writing The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, that one summer he spent the entire summer in, in a shed writing, the shed on sort of the back part of a farm in upstate New York, so far removed from everything that was happening at the farm or with his family that when it was time for the family to eat, that they would have to stand on the back porch and blow a horn to let him know that it was time to come up to the house. But for that whole summer, he sat secluded in that shed away from all the noise so that he could write. Bill Gates, when he was CEO of Microsoft, he was known for taking two weeks a year. He called them thinking weeks. And twice a year, he would go up to his lake house away from everyone with no distractions, turn off his computer. Imagine that. Turn off his computer and he would read real books and he would write and take notes and he would just think. Think about what nuances they could do in business, nuances that Microsoft might take on. 
working without distractions. The psychologist Carl Jung, he studied very much like this, also walled up in the library of a castle doing his research and his work, but in the process that began to look at the idea of focused work and the human psyche. Many years later, a researcher by the name of Carl Newport sort of looked at what Jung had done in this idea of non-distracted work, and he created what he called a theory of deep work. Now see, deep work is activity performed in a, care for, in a state of concentration free from distraction. And it's when one is really in this episode of deep work that it allows one's cognitive ability to perform at its highest levels. For the person doing the deep work to be aware and to be thinking and to be focused in a way unlike any other time. As we read today's text, is the story of Jesus' baptism. This is the Sunday where we remember the baptism of the Lord. See, John the, Bapti- John the Baptist, he was out in the woods, out there, you know, clothed. He was rough and ruddy, and he was baptizing people, telling them, prepare you the way for the Lord, the Messiah is coming. And some people mistook him as the Messiah, and he says, oh, no, no. Let me be real clear. It is not I. But the one that is coming, I can't even hold a candle to his power. And he began to tell the crowd about the Messiah, about the one that was coming in, how that God had sent him to earth, sent him to us with a special mission. In the midst of one of his teachings, Jesus was right there amongst the crowd listening and coming to the water and being baptized. And as he comes out, the heavens open up in a moment of clarity that all the world could hear. God's spirit booms down, this is my son with whom I am pleased. In a moment of clarity, Jesus heard it in all around because they were focused on this message of hope. And see, that statement talks about a relationship, a special relationship between Jesus and God, Father and Son, a very close, intimate relationship, but also about Jesus' purpose and ministry to be in the world, to be God's representative, to be the one sharing the good news. And it was also a message from God to us, a desire that we too would be in that close relationship, that one-to-oneness that the world had experienced back before the fall with Adam and Eve. that God desires that closeness with you and with me. So this year, as we embark upon a new year, we embark upon our practice of faith, as we focus on living well and trying to live into the people that God created us to be and to live into that relationship, maybe we remember as we taught last week about Mr. Wesley's three simple rules, doing no harm, doing good, but especially this one, staying close to God. If that's what we want to do this year, if we want to stay close to God, then we've got to shed those things that distract us from that relationship, those things that clutter the world and choke our spirit, the noises and the outside distractions that take our focus off God in heaven that loves us. In a sense, you and I, we must do deep work on our faith. And the deep work that we can do, the deep work that we must do can be characterized by three really simple but important steps. 
First, we've got to cut the clutter in our spiritual lives. The second, we've got to focus intently on that relationship with God. And third, sometimes we just have to get up and take a walk to find God in the world around us. As I said earlier, life is so full of distractions, so many things that tend to take our spirits, and it's almost like we are a little bit like a squirrel where something happens and we pay attention over here, and before we're watching that, pretty soon something's over here, and we dart around with a sort of adult ADD with our spiritual lives. And that's part of the step. Part of the first steps is to cut those distractions. There's a business consultant by the name of Laura Stack. She sort of branded herself the productivity pro. You can look her up on the internet. But one of the things that she does when she speaks in seminars and tries to help people understand how to be more productive in their work lives is she says, Microsoft Outlook is great, but it can also be our downfall. Our email systems are so great to let us know when they have those alerts. Remember when it all started out, when you dialed into AOL, some of you remember this, some of you are like, what's that? AOL, remember it's you've got mail. And remember the first time you turn it on, you click and you log into AOL after all that annoying clicking and popping that happens over the line, all of a sudden you hear, you've got mail, and you want to go look at it. Well, you fast forward to this day, no longer does your computer say you've got mail, but if you have the alerts on, it'll ding every time something drops in the box. And like Pavlov's dogs, as soon as you hear that ding, you stop what you're doing and you look at the email. Well, if you're like me, you get a thousand emails a day, all you'll be doing is ping-ponging back and forth between what you're trying to work on and whatever just pinged up on the screen. So Laura Stack says, you know what you need to do? Turn that bell off. It's pretty good advice. The second thing she says is there's also this other little thing that sort of brings up a preview of your email on your screen. So if you're working over here and you've got it in your peripheral vision, you see your screen do something. She says, turn that off. And then you've got the little icon that's at the bottom of the screen that lets you know you have a new email. She says, guess what? Turn that off. And, she said, and then she says, take your phone, set your phone so that it doesn't alert you that you have emails. The reason for this, she says, is be focused on your work. Set aside time for email and then, guess what? Focus on whatever's come in the box. She says, depending on how many you get, you may need to set focus times two or three times a day. But if you do that, then those times you're focused on email, the rest of the time you're focused on what? Your work and relationships. Well, that got me thinking. If Laura Stack is so good and she's made a living on doing that and just telling us how to turn off our email so that we can be productive at work, wouldn't those principles matter in our faith lives as well? What are the things that distract you from that relationship with God? What are the things that pull us away from that, that sort of take our focus off the relationship with God? Sometimes it's we have this great intent that we want to be in that relationship, but then we kind of go about it haphazard, much like you might have done with your email before you met Laura Stack. So what she says and what she would say to us about our faith life is set aside a dedicated time for God. Sort of set the stage, if you will, for when you're going to have that time and cut the clutter. Set aside a time when you're free from distraction, where you can really focus on meeting God. Time to do the deep work. 
Where is that going to be? Where is that going to happen? Is that going to be in some other room of the house, away from your computer, away from the kitchen, away from the TV? When is it going to be? Is it going to be early in the morning or late in the evening or in the middle of the day when you can be distraction-free and focused on God? And she says, but don't just set a place and a location. Set a length of time. Are you going to spend 30 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour? How much time could we set aside to be clutter-free from life, to do the deep work? Set the stage. A set time of day, a set location, a set length of time. But once we sort of set the stage, once we've kind of cut the clutter so that we can focus on that relationship, our next step is to focus intently. Ben Long, the fresco artist who painted the frescoes up in Glendale Springs, as the story goes, the frescoes are really not painted on plaster. They are a part of the plaster. So the fresco artist has to decide exactly how much they want to get done that day and that's their workspace. And while they may have a whole wall that they want to put this fresco on, today they're focused on this small piece of it. And then they focus intently. They focus intently on that work. And so it took months and even years to do those frescoes up in Glendale Springs because each day had a very specific focus. And I think about that. I think, what if we approached our faith life and that relationship with God? What if we did the deep work that had not only the length of time, not only the place, but exactly what we were going to do so narrowly focused? So during the cut the clutter stage, we've set the stage. Now it's time for us to set the plan and to develop the supporting cast. What is it that we can do in our deep work? Maybe it's to take the scripture and to read a small section of scripture and underline it in the margins, write down what our thoughts are. Or maybe it's to take a piece of paper or a notebook and write down the people that we're praying for and why we're praying for them and what we're praying for. Or maybe we're writing in a journal how we've seen God in the last 24 hours or how we feel God's presence in our lives. Or maybe if that's too monkish, too religious seeming. Maybe we just spend time focused on art and the gifts that God's created us, playing the piano or singing the hymns of the church that speak to our souls or painting pictures and drawing where we've seen God active in the world around us, marveling at God's creation. You see, we've set the stage and now we've set the plan in motion. What is it that we're going to do so that we open our lives up and do that deep work and dig into that relationship? But let's not remove ourselves from the supporting cast. Those things that will help tune our hearts and tune our lives so that we can better tune out the world. Maybe in that place that we have set aside, we want to light candles. Or we have a favorite chair or a favorite pen that we want to write and do with. Or maybe even it's just a really warm cup of coffee. Something that sort of pulls us in and helps focus our hearts so that we can work the plan, so that we can do the deep work. But see, once we've started that deep work, once we've focused on the plan, it's like anything else in life. The only thing to make it work is if we practice it over and over and over again. 
We know that this time of the year that the YMCA and the gym is all full of people that have set a New Year's resolution to get healthy. They're going to work out more often. And so they've gone, they've started out the first week or the second week, and they've gone gangbusters on that. But do you know for that really to become a habit, do you know how many weeks they have to stick with it? Seven. They say psychologically that it takes us seven weeks of doing something over and over again before it becomes a true habit in our lives. So if we want to do this deep work, if we want to set aside the time and the practice and the work that we want to do, the only way that it becomes rooted in our being is if we're consistent over time. Some of you have decided maybe this year you want to run a 5K, a half marathon, or even a whole marathon, and I'm really proud of you for that. Um, It's not on my list. But they have all these programs called like Couch to 5K or Couch to Half Marathon or Couch to Marathon. Well, let me tell you what that means. That doesn't mean that you sign up for the marathon on Saturday and get off the couch on Friday and stretch out and then go run it. Consistency, practice over and over and over again until that running becomes part of who you are so that you can fulfill your goals. Friends, the same is true with our spiritual life. If we want to do that deep work, if we want to grow deeper in our relationship with God to really, really focus to hear what God wants for us, we've got to practice it the same way each and every day. But sometimes, even in the midst of our practice, even in the midst of our reading of Scripture, sometimes our focus work becomes so great, but yet we feel like we are stuck. We feel like we can't go anywhere else. That can happen to us. It happens in life. I remember when I was in graduate school that I had to do a 20-page paper on uh, the preaching style of Martin Luther King, and I was really excited about doing this. I'd pulled all my research together. It was due in a couple of days, and I'll just have to tell you, it wasn't coming together. I mean, I had all the resources. I had all the notes. I was used to writing papers. It was a semester where I was writing, it seemed like, a three- to five-page or a 10-page, even a 20-page paper about every three days. So I was in the paper writing mood, but it was just not happening. And I can remember after spending a couple of, a better part of an afternoon looking at my notes, I finally said, enough with this. And so I decided to clean the apartment. And that felt really good. And so then I decided I would take the dog for a walk. And it was while the dog and I were out walking on the trails in the woods behind my apartment that all of a sudden the paper just came together in my head. And as we cut our walk short and we got back to the apartment, tossed the dog a bone, and I sat down on the computer and I just pounded the paper out. I needed to take a step away from all the heaviness. And in that slack time, I found it come together. Part of that was because I had all the deep work done and it was all there in my head. It just wasn't clear. Well, folks, if we do the deep work with our faith, if we do that deep work, sometimes we may think, I'm reading the scriptures, I'm praying to God, and I'm not hearing the answers. I'm not seeing God's presence in my lives. Take a break. Take a walk. Don't quit doing the deep work, but change the scenery and see what happens. Because it's when we do the deep work, when we really focus on it, we begin to see God other places and in other things and in other conversations. And we're walking along, we're talking with a friend, and all of a sudden that thing that we've been praying for, that thing that we've been seeking, it pops up. And somewhere deep in our conscience, we realize that God is speaking to us through someone else. 
Or we see God maybe in the change of creation as we saw this morning. See, that deep work brings our focus in and opens our eyes to see and to hear God in other parts of the world. And sometimes it's when we take a step outside of ourselves, outside of our worry, outside of the clutter that we begin to see God. So this year, as we focused on our faith, as we focus on our relationship with God, if we could do that deep work, if we could cut the clutter, if we could focus intently, if we begin to take a walk and see God in the world around us, then maybe, just maybe, we can hear the gates, of, and, the gates and the windows of heaven open and God smiles and we hear those words. You are my child and I love you so much and I am pleased. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.